Hey everyone, welcome back to all my listeners. This is episode number 11 of season eight. Today is Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. My name is Sonal Patel, and this is the Paint the Medical Picture podcast series. So I hope everyone has caught up on their sleep these past couple of days, right? We just had that pesky time change, that spring forward time change over the weekend. So I know I've had to pour a couple more splashes of coffee into my cups every morning this week just to try and stay awake. But um, what about the Oscars this past weekend? I always watch the Oscars every year, not only for the fashion and the jewelry and the amazing films that have been made during this past year, but this particular Oscars was really touching for me as well. I was really, really happy to see South Asian representation this year at the Oscars. Not only was there representation, but there were two South Asians that walked away with Oscars this year. So I was simply thrilled, thrilled. And then don't forget, this entire month is dedicated to women's history. So get out to your local libraries. There are parades in your suburbs. There are downtown events that are going on all in honor of the Women's History Month. So kudos right there. Kudos. Now, all right, you guys. In today's session, I wanted to feature an interview that I was on with my good friend, Betty Hovey, who I know you all know since she was a featured guest on my podcast way back in season six. And we are continuing to do our podcasting together and lots of new adventures collaborating on things together. So I wanted to feature this interview I did with her a couple weeks ago because it's incredibly important and it's still incredibly timely and newsworthy as well as full of my compliance tips and recommendations and Betty's as well. When it comes to the new 2021 and 2023 evaluation and management services, right? All of those guidelines and code descriptions were overhauled, right? Starting back in January 1 of 2021 for the office and outpatient setting, and then flash forward to January 1, 2023, the same sets of overhauls were conducted to the inpatient space as well. And so she and I have been simply bombarded with questions over these past few weeks, these past few months that we really wanted to begin highlighting and try and provide some really good compliance guidance on the continued confusion that is happening despite the fact that these guidelines are brand new and fresh. There's still a lot of confusion that is taking place. So I wanted to focus today's newsworthy and trusty tip on both a combination of my interview with my good friend, Betty Hovey. And then of course, I'm going to round out today's episode in Spark with a remarkable quote on creativity by Leonardo da Vinci. 
If you guys have checked me out on LinkedIn, you know I'm all about compliance and protecting our physicians and valued healthcare professionals when it comes to the business of medicine. I hope this week with me brings you enough to take back to your organizations, to want to dive in deeper, to use my tips and best practices to ensure success. I hope this podcast will help you boost the quality of documentation capture and improve coding accuracy as you help all your providers paint the medical picture. If you like what you're hearing, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss another episode. Please write in a review and kindly drop me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to my podcast. I'd really love your support. And as always, a friendly disclaimer. Remember, I'm bringing you the news, current healthcare industry news, my compliance tips and my compliance recommendations based on my over 12 years of experience in front office, in back end, in coding, and in billing for multi-specialty physicians, in compliance, and in auditing for both ENM and surgical operative reports. These are my opinions alone and are not to be construed as legal advice. Today's episode is sponsored by Advanced Coding Services, a leading medical billing and medical coding school in the United States. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned professional, our training equips you with the tools and support you need to advance your career. Our medical billing and coding school meets your needs worldwide online or in person with one-on-one support throughout your training. We are committed to helping our alumni and credentialed medical community in keeping up their certifications by offering various avenues for acquiring your continuing education units. In addition to our Mastering the Business of Medicine retreats offered several times throughout the year in different parts of the country, we now offer memberships. You can conveniently earn your CEUs by attending our exclusive members-only webinars. Since our aim is to nurture and grow the careers of individuals who work in the business of medicine, we call our member area the Apple Orchard. Advanced Coding Services. Educate. Nurture. Inspire. Reaching back with a hand up. Hey, y'all. Happy Baby Friday. This is Betty with uh, CHCS, and we are doing another healthcare happenings. And I am very, very pleased to be joined by my good friend and colleague, uh, Sonal Patel. Good afternoon, Sonal. Hi, Betty. Good to see you. How are you? Good. How about yourself? I'm hanging in there. Hanging in there, living the dream, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I just want to, this day in history, uh, just want to put out there that everybody that is having a birthday today, that you share a birthday with Dr. Seuss. So today's Dr. Seuss's birthday. Amazing. I think. Is it Dr. Seuss? Let me double check before I say that again. I loved his books when I was a kid. Oh, loved learning go. to read from his books. Dr. Seuss. Yes. Dr. Seuss was born today. Green wow. eggs and ham. Green eggs my favorite. and ham. Yep. I remember one year I wrote an ICD-10 like um, Christmas thing to green eggs and ham oh, um, to, to that kind of pattern. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it was wow. in a newsletter I was doing when I was at AAPC. I don't know if people can remember that far back, but um, it was, it was pretty funny. It took me a long time, but it was really, <laughs> it was really fun. Um, 
All right, so we are today going to discuss E&M and how everybody's doing with it. But before we get to that, I just wanted to let everybody know that that um, Sonal has a new venture going on. So I wanted to give you uh, a chance for us to kind of discuss it and let everybody kind of know what's going on with you and what you're doing out there. So um, Sonal, you now have started a new uh, LLC and it is called SP Collaborative, right? That's right. So what kind of stuff are you doing? Thanks so much. Yeah, for introducing that. Yeah. So for folks in the audience, hopefully you've seen me start to push that out a bit, right? As much as I possibly can. Um, so I have a LinkedIn page, SP Collaborative, LLC. Um, I am working on the website. It's under construction. So once that's up and running, you'll see the gallery of my services. Um, but basically, yeah, my spotlight is, of course, um, not really tending too far off the well-known path of what I do, right, which is education, coding compliance, auditing services. Um, but, you know, from the, the title of my company alone, Collaborative, I really, really found a need over um, my many years of working in this space is that a lot of my friends and colleagues are kind of overwhelmed, right? There's a lot of demand um, from our providers on what their needs are, right? So anytime I have an opportunity, like with my friend here, to collaborate, um, co-manage and work on projects together, I can now do that. So I'm available for all of us, right, um, to help assist making sure that our um, clients' needs are met to their full satisfaction. So there's no delay because your plates are simply overflowing with, you know, the many, many clients that you've retained over all of these years. I understand that it's hard to do. So um, that's another big component of my company as well, is that I can be that sidekick that can help assist you in getting your projects um, completed to satisfaction, as well as all the education and the writing um, and the publications that I do. So all of that can be um, a part of my service line as well, which um, hopefully when the website is up and running, that will be um, demonstrated in my gallery of services. So yeah, I'm super excited, super excited. You know, it's a new company, obviously, but um, I'm trying to make it grow as we go along. So it's super fun and scary, but I'm, I'm up for it. So yeah. I know I, I tell you when I um, decided to, you know, go out on my own again, um, it was uh, in uh, 20, the, the well, it was 2019. I was getting there, you know, at the end. And then in February of 2020 was when I officially had everything started for the company. And uh, it was exactly a week after that, that everything got locked down. <laughs> because right. of COVID. So yeah. I was just like, Oh, well, here we go. Um, so uh, yeah, my, my timing could have been much, much better. Uh, but it's uh, um, that that kind of entrepreneurial thing that you have and that independent thing that you know, those of us that do this have that, you know, you just 
kind of have to follow it. And uh, but, you know, it works out really well. And now you can collaborate uh, yes. with whomever you would like to. And I am exactly. very, very pleased that that you and I get to do stuff together. So yep. I'm, thrilled. I'm really excited um, thrilled. for you. Thank and you. so everybody, I put Sonal, the LinkedIn page there for uh, SP Collaborative um, and Sonal's herself, uh, if you are looking you know, to find where Sonal is personally for LinkedIn. This is Sonal's LinkedIn. And so you can connect and follow and all of those kinds of things, both with her and with SP Collaborative. So make sure that you do both, you know, um, because like mine, you know, my company, um, CHCS is how they come out, uh, also sends different stuff than I personally share, you know, on LinkedIn. And it's the same, you know, Sonal with yours. So it's a good idea to, you know, make sure you're following both of them um, so that you see everything that we're putting out because you put out some good stuff. As do you, my friend. I love it. And, and I love that both of the um, platforms, as, as you said, are definitely different, right? We um, express things differently on our personal page versus our company page. So, yeah, that's a really good, good point. And then to identify that, you know, CHCS is yours, SB Collaborative is mine. So, yeah, because, um, you know, a lot of new up and coming people who are trying to navigate LinkedIn, I know you and I could have a whole other separate conversation on, you know, how to follow LinkedIn, how to grow yourself on LinkedIn, because that itself is um, a masterclass that we could yeah. be teaching because we've <laughs> been doing LinkedIn for a very long time. So yeah, that in and of itself is its own project. But anyway, sorry, I digress. But <laughs> oh, that's all right. And, and one more thing for you, don't forget that Sonal also has her podcast, Paint oh, right. the Medical Picture, which right. I love. And I put the link here for it that's on Spotify, but you know that's not the only place that they can pick up your podcast, right? Right. Thank you. It is everywhere. So Spotify, Anchor, um, Apple Podcasts, it's on Amazon Music. Um, it's everywhere. And this is my second year. So yeah, um, I really love all of everyone's support because that's the only reason why I can keep going um, because it really is a lot of work to do a podcast every single week, um, yeah. you know, for two years. So I don't know how others in the field have done it for a number of years um, yes. without really missing an episode. So, you know, kudos. Um it's a really, really good way, I think, to provide, you know, a little snippet of great information weekly, right? Um, we also provide um, interviews with people, people who I find very interesting that I find on my personal LinkedIn page over these two years, um, you know, so... When people see me, you know, snooping on their LinkedIn profiles, it's it's for that, you know, because something in their posting is really interesting, right? And I don't want to be one of those weird people who lurk and put myself on private, whatever, right? And then I'm like literally stalking you. No, I want you to know that I'm in there. Um, and then eventually I will reach out to you um, and DM you on LinkedIn and invite you, um, you know, to be a guest on, on, on the podcast because 
something you've been doing is kind of inspirational. And I think perhaps more people should get to know about you. But anyway, so that's what I do on my podcast. In addition to um, the weekly, um, just the healthcare news things that are going on. Mm -hmm. And then I also talk about the OIG work plan once a month. And then I also talk about fraud, waste and abuse once a month as well. So um, it's kind of an enriching kind of comprehensive um, podcast for our space. Good, good. Yep. Uh, so make sure y'all are checking all of Sonal's stuff out because um, it's all good stuff. Um, and going back to the, the podcast thing about, you know, doing something weekly that is difficult. That was like um, Victoria Mall, who I see oh is up here. Hey, Victoria. Hey, Victoria. Um, she, I, I, when we were talking, when she was on as a guest, uh, one of the things I was saying, I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, just that here's another YouTube and another YouTube and another, you know, I know. Oh my goodness. I was like, how do you like always have something? Yeah. You know, I mean, I know there always is something. I mean, you could talk about anything you could pick uh, just CPT by section, you know, right. do 10,000, right. 20,000. Oh my God. For sure. I mean, there's For enough sure. there, right. um, but it's like getting it together. You know, right. so right. that always, um, you know, amazes me when yes. y'all do those kind of things consistently on that weekly basis. I'm bi-week, bi-monthly bi right now. Um, I'm hoping, you know, at some point I can kind of work in those um, more more often. And when I start the podcasting, I probably, I, I'm going to strive to make sure it's a, once a week. I mean, not as long as these, you know, it won't be an hour or anything, but it'll right. try to right. touch on something. Exactly. So um, uh, big, big kudos to y'all for being able to do that kind of stuff. Um, but I wanted to share with you two couple. We have, uh, hey, Catherine Rose. She's wishing Aww. you a good luck. Thank you, Catherine. On your venture. So and I see Lady is joining us again. So hey, Lady. And lady. Uh, my new mentee, Ladriba, is on. Oh, hey, Ladriba. Um, good afternoon. Awesome. She, uh, she's, a, she's a lovely lady that uh, um, you know, she messaged me and asked me if I would, you know, answer her, answer some questions and kind of, nice. you know, do a little mentoring, Aww. you know, and so awesome. she's looking to get her CPMA and her CPC. She's got right. an associates in healthcare. And so she's looking to kind of build upon that and spread out. And um, so this is a good thing with LinkedIn, you know, you can meet these people all and she's in right. Texas. Um, so uh, get to connect with people from all over and do uh, these kind of great things. So it's really mm -hmm. nice. But I see we're we're pretty full. Oh, and lady about that. She said she loves your podcast, too. Thank so. you. So sweet, lady. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, uh, uh, another lady, Sheila, said she would love that class because she's just started networking in LinkedIn, how you were talking about we can do that. one on navigating LinkedIn. So that, that's sure. one that, you know, we might want to discuss uh, offline to, to come For back sure. and do. For sure. Um, so today's subject, we wanted to kind of um, chat about E&M and how everybody's kind of doing with the uh, 23, 2023 and, and 2021, you know, changes. Um, the 2021 stuff came first because they figured if they give us enough time, you know, uh, and just concentrate on one thing and we got Smart. used to it, you know, Smart. then we kind of move into other stuff. So I, I got that, but I, I, really, I will tell you, I really wish 
they would have just bit the bullet. You know what I mean? Here it's changing, you know, because we had so much. Well, is it inpatient? Is it outpatient? Which one are we using? And that right. whole in between time of 21 and 22, you know, that really wasn't extremely amount of fun either <laughs> when you have places where you're doing everything because right. you're like okay now I'm an inpatient I have to go back to 95 97 right now you I'm have to keep switching. you know yes um, yes Mm-hmm. So for that aspect, I really mm-hmm. wished it would have been just like, okay, we're going, you know, pull the right. bandaid off. Right. 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 Um, but I understand why they did what they did. So now we are at that point where it's everything. And um, there are some niche things and some peculiarities that we've gotten questions on between inpatient and outpatient, when you look at that new MDM table that Mm -hmm. make that a problem when we're looking at things. And so it it seems like um, there's just this ever reburgeoning of issues. You know, I mean, we got 2021 kind of quelled a little bit. And as soon as now is all like stirred back up again. So that's the other reason why I wish they would have done it at once, because now it's like twice that you have to go through, you know, all this mess. The confusion Um, twice. Yeah. But yes, you know, I I don't control it. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) We we would have done it at once. Um, But uh, have you seen in your, um, with your clients, you know, that that is something that they're kind of struggling with too, that it was like, okay, I think we've got these down now. And then all of a sudden now here's, you know, the inpatient, the emergency, all the other stuff too, now getting thrown into the mix to where it's like all jumbled up and they're revisiting things. Yeah. So that's a problem when you have clients that do both, right. That are, providers in some big hospital system in downtown Chicago. And they also have office hours in the outpatient office settings, right? So when you do have clients like that, those are the ones who are alarmed, right? Because they have teams of educators like you and I, who go in and you're right, in, in um, just, just before January 21, the educators went in and started talking about the overhaul for the place of service 11 and 22, right? The office setting and the outpatient stuff. They went in and chatted about that, but then they were also foreshadowing. We were also foreshadowing that, you know, hold on a little bit, put the brakes on because things will change again in a couple more years for the inpatient space docs, right? And those docs are still doing their rounding um, in the hospital down the street as well. So you're absolutely right. Um, Providers like that have that type of confusion in terms of the complexity of their patient population that they're following around. Um, So yeah, there are clients that come in and need that um, second, third, fourth education (laughs) session with you, right? Because, you know, it's different when you and I do education for the coders on the call, right? It's very different. We can, we can, um, 
bite the bullet, so to speak, and grind down and stay with each other for two hours, three hours, do a boot campy type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. But when we provide our education to our physicians who are very, very busy people who literally save lives, they do not have four hours um, in one chunk with us, right? So we have to split that education up um, so they can take it in bite-sized pieces. And for that group of people, it makes sense, right? Um, they can really take much more away in those smaller chunks of education. Um, but, you know, everybody does things differently. So then there's, there's that as well. And I know for the past two months here, it's March. For the past two months now, you and I have been on, I don't know, at least 20 other webinars, seminars, boot campy things, local chapter meetings that address the 2023 changes, right? And then some combination of what we just learned for the office and outpatient in 21, because we do have some revisions as well that applied now. So yeah. the education has been enormous. There's education available everywhere. Um, but I know why you and I align so well is that we are big believers in the quality of education. Um, you know, we have to be able to think critically, you know, outside of what is simply published in the AMA, right? We can all read that chart make our own tools. I have a handful of mine, right? Like I have your tool, the CHCS tool. I have the NamUs tool here. And then I also printed out the AAPC ENM audit tool that they just revised and put up for us to print out. So anyway, we have many options of what to use for ourselves, right? When we're going through either as a coder to actually code um, as well as an auditor when we have to go back and validate the code choices. Um, so yeah, it's it's a huge endeavor that we go through um, in this little niche, right? Of all the changes that we have to be on top of. Um, and these past two years have been massive, right? Because we haven't seen E&M changes like this in 25 years something crazy. I think it's been a few decades, right? So it's, it's a lot for us to digest. And so I appreciate that there are questions um, that hopefully we can go through today. Um, a lot of the common questions that we've heard since 21 are now trickling into this kind of same landscape, but it's inpatient, right? But it's still the same types of questions is how do we deal with that middle column of data? Mm -hmm. um, but I always keep saying that we really just need to meet two out of the three criteria. So, you know, why can't we just kick the second column if we don't need to? <laughs> I was going to say that's, that's we, a good We can't point. actually do that. I, I hear a lot of people say that. I just ignore the middle column. I tell people, yeah, it's but really hard. there are a lot of specialties where that yeah. middle column could really put them over. Exactly. Um, so yeah. I, it's not that easy anymore. Yeah. Um, it used to be a lot easier when it was just you're one, no matter how many you do, yeah. and that's yeah. it. Yeah. But um, now for some specialties, 
they really can depend on that. And so they really have to get in there with it. But yeah, that's kind of the one I think now. And I said that back in 2021, when they came out with that, I said that middle column, that's the column that's going to cause people heartburn. You know, the other ones are, are similar to what they used to do. At least, you know what I mean? But right, I said, right. it's that middle column. So uh, and I've seen that in a lot of places uh, kind, kind of come to fruition. Agreed. Um, so, yeah, y'all, as we. Um, I'm going to start putting some questions up because I had put up for people to um, send me some questions if they had some ahead of time. Right. So we did get some questions. So Sonal and I will start with those. But as y'all are going through um, or listening to what we're saying, if you have a question, go ahead and throw it in the chat and we'll get to as many as we can get to. Um, but please, again, just like I said on the post, don't send any, you know, identifying yeah. information, no kind of PHI. Don't try to post an entire note. <laughs> you type in a for us, just yeah. general kind just of really questions. Vague. Really vague would, would be helpful. We don't want to get any of your practices or providers. Exactly. Up, you don't want to get upset. anybody into yeah. any kind yeah. of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> vague, vague is always key. <clears throat> so um, our first one that we got was, and I, I, I chose this one to make sure we, we go through it because I find that there's a lot of confusion with this whole medically appropriate um, because the new guidelines, well, in 2021, those new and now spread over to everything else new uh, is that you don't have to count bullets, you don't have to check boxes, you don't have to do all that rigmarole that now they say it's just the medically appropriate history and medically appropriate exam. Um, and what that means is, first of all, that you do still need a history and an exam. Some people are just like, oh, we don't even have to put anything. Yes, yes, you do. Yes, there you has do. to be a reason why you mm -hmm. still have to document those things. But just what the physician or APP feels is appropriate for that visit for that day, you know, so no longer do they have to do 12 review of systems on things that don't even have anything to do with what they're seeing the patient for, you know, that all kind of craziness is done. Um, but then it's like that medically appropriate question, like, well, then what is medically appropriate, right? Um, and the AMA kind of uh, is putting out that fact because the AMA, of course, is all about physicians, right? They're and APPs now, but and I mean, APP. it's their organization. So it says, well, it's, it's up to them, whoever's doing that visit. You know what this physician thinks is medically appropriate. Another physician seeing another patient for the exact same thing may think something else is you know, medically appropriate. So it, it's very customized to that particular individual, that particular patient, and that encounter for that day. Um, now, what what um, comments about medically appropriate do you have? Well, you're absolutely right. In the beginning, I think there was a lot of confusion and complete re want to relax on let's just get rid of exam, let's just get rid of history, right? No, it has to be medically appropriate, right? So I think the driving um, helping factor here to make sure that our providers, our physicians understand is that 
that chief complaint that the patient comes in with is really going to help you, you know, drive what you're going to be doing for that patient, right? So that is going to help steer you towards medically appropriate, right? So the example I always love to give is when you go in for a simple splinter, right, that pierced your hand somewhere, you know, you're not going to die. It's not a critically, um, you know, it's not so massive of an injury that you're going to require every single organ system to be reviewed like in the old days, right? And that always prompts me, prompts me to remember that so much of this volume of mess that we still have to deal with as an auditor today is from that EMR and that EHR, right? We really have to find a way, um, consultants out there like ourselves, we need to get into really deep conversations with those companies um, and try and help them um, alongside our practices, how to help them tweak the, those particular EMRs that they constructed for the practices before these new guidelines took effect, right? So we can whittle away with all of those unnecessary history chunks that our providers are forced to check the box, check the box, check the box, when really that's not medically appropriate for that simple splinter injury that I got in my left hand. Um, you don't need to have a neurological examination for um, a simple splinter in my hand. And they love caused, checking those boxes, don't you they? You know, and, and so that has to be cleaned up also. So I know that's not necessarily directly um, correlating to the question, but it is. It really is a factor um, in the unnecessary details of the medically appropriate. And I'm quoting, right? Oh, I'm, I'm on camera. I forgot I'm quoting. I am quoting. You can see me. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's things like that that still come into play. Um, but that should help guide you is why is that patient coming in? That's going to help steer your appropriate um, elements that you're going to be chatting with the patient about um, and examining the patient about. We don't need to know their full-blown history from childbirth. That's unnecessary when they're coming in for something completely unrelated to what happened when they were born. So all of those types of things, the AMA alongside CMS definitely have helped um, to reduce that that past conundrum that we've gone through for note bloat, right? So all of those things can be done away with. But what is medically appropriate, we have to keep in. Like cancer, like diabetes, those things have to, you have to keep that in the record along the course of, of the patient. Because all of those are rather serious, chronic, acute, right? Um, problems that we do have to continue treating or evaluating or managing as we see the patient. Sorry, yeah, and, and so long-winded, so long-winded. Oh no, my God, that's that right. Only... I always tell people to, to just keep two things in mind. One, it's still a medical legal document. Don't forget about the legal aspect right. that, you know, we have a very litigious society, you yes. know, so, you know, you need to make sure that you're putting enough in your note that if you had to repeat it in court, 
that people would get enough information from it that they would understand what happened, you know, or another physician, you know, mm-hmm. you send your patient somewhere else that note goes with them. Will that other physician or APP look at that note and go, oh, okay. Or will they then have to ask a million questions and redo a lot of stuff that you already did because it wasn't clear, you know, so think about others, think about legality, you know, when you're looking at medically appropriate and what you're putting in your note. Um, and, and it'd be interesting for y'all that are watching here. Um, how many of y'all still see the four page notes, even though it's not necessary anymore? Um, they're still getting the review systems every time and the HPIs you're seeing, um, you know, because the templates are old, they're in there. They're just checking the boxes because they're still there. You know, that's something that we, we do have to try to help them move away from. Um, oh, somebody had uh, Barbara. Uh, hey, Barbara. Uh, this year encompasses so many changes. Most of them are better. Nice to listen to I your agree. thoughts from both of you, especially with E&M. So thanks. We appreciate thanks. that. For sure. Um, all right. So we will look at, okay, how do you select an E&M for, I, I, I'm assuming she meant inpatient, uh, initial evaluation and H&P when the time documented is less than the 40 minutes? Um, the, the good thing to remember about this now is that, you know, you can either code by time or MDM. So if the, 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 um, the admit codes, the 99221 through 99223, we have 40 minutes for a one, 55 for a two, and 75 for a three, right? So if they only do 35 minutes, then you just go look at the MDM. You know, the, the good thing about that is that from the MDM standpoint, you know, um, if they have a problem, which they would have to have if they were getting admitted, right? And then you would probably give an order if you were admitting them. So right there, no matter how long that takes you, you've got enough criteria to be able to code that by MDM now without all the gajillion history and physical exam items. So I think this question, which is a great question, one of those things that's a plus now mm-hmm. that we don't have to do all that or you miss one thing uh you don't do a family history on there and all of a sudden your right. in your admit is all the way down to a level one uh mm-hmm. and that used to just drive me crazy so um now it's you can do it off those factors instead um, do you have any specific things to to add to that one no i agree with you that's absolutely right. We can um, score that particular encounter for the MDM instead of time. Absolutely. That's completely valid. And so we really need to be able to shift our mind to embrace these new guidelines, right? Because it really does support what is in the documentation, right? We don't have to be so gung-ho on the time description just because the provider says, oh, but I did this much time, so I want to use time. When we know um, that it will be not as advantageous to the provider if we choose that route, right? So we have to think which will be more advantageous to our providers, the MDM 
or the time. And we're allowed to do that in our code selection. So we should always keep that front and center um, and try and educate them as well, um, you know, which way for their particular practice, their service lines are going to be more advantageous to that practice. Yes. So, and, yeah. and, and uh, there's nothing wrong with looking at it if they do have time on a note and uh, you take a look at what the time was and then look at the MDM. Right. If one is better than the other, use the one that's better. There is nothing wrong with giving your physician or APP the yeah. best can. It's not gaming anything if both no. are there, because I had somebody ask me that once. They said, well, the MDM showed that it would be like a four, but they wrote a time down and the time only met a three. Doesn't matter. If the MDM meets the four, bill your four. You, you, it doesn't have to match. You know, you exactly. have an either or choice. Exactly. All right. Now this one, um, we had, uh, she had, I had an H&P, which was designated by the provider as critical care. However, mm -hmm. I believe the documentation didn't support critical care. And yet the time documented was 35 minutes. So this one is kind of a little off of the switchover since we're talking about critical care. Um, but uh, my response would be, uh, if you're looking at it, uh, is to query the provider. You know, if you are looking at it and really feel that it meets the level of critical care by whatever you're seeing or not seeing in the note, then that's something you need to go back to whoever did that service and ask them. Because we mm -hmm. all know just because the patient's in the critical care unit doesn't mean you're doing critical care for them, right? Well said. Exactly. That's exactly what I would say as well. You need to go back and query the provider. You need to provide them with some education guidance on what would qualify that documentation to be critical care, right? Because this question is saying that she doesn't or he doesn't believe that the documentation didn't support it. So tell them why, you know, what are the elements required to meet a critical care service? And like you said, exactly, you can receive that type of care anywhere. It doesn't just have to be in the, you know, CCU. So right. yeah, we, we have to understand that as well. That's a great question. It's a great yeah. question. All righty. Um, so let's move. When can you count a condition as chronic for the problem addressed column? Do you want to start off with that one? Well, well, I'm, you know, I'm I still saw you in, clapping. So I'm, I, I'm clapping because you take it first. I'm clapping because I love whatever year that was. I'm still in COVID-19 fog, right? I don't know when the AMA came out with that definition of chronic, right? But now we know. actually know that there's a definition and we should always remember that um, it's supposed to have an expected duration of at least one year or until the death of the patient. So that is chronic, right? So that's the only time we can count something as chronic. Somewhere in that documentation, the provider has to say that, you know, patient um, Patty had this condition since 
she was age 23. She's now 57. You know what I mean? Like you, we, we have to find it in the documentation clearly that this is a chronic condition that's been going on for well over one year and she's going to have it for a very long time thereafter. So yeah, I loved when we got that definition because before, yeah, I don't know what other people were choosing, right? Yeah. For a condition. Did they always choose that? that ICD-10 code as chronic when really it probably wasn't documented that that patient had it for over one year. So I like, I definitely love these new guidelines and definitions because it provides us with much more clarity um, on how we should be choosing um, everything that we see in the documentation. So I embrace it. Love it. Much better than the bean counting days. Oh my God. Uh, yes. Yes. Well, uh, also, um, just for people to keep in mind, too, is that there are some conditions that could be either acute or chronic, right? Like sinusitis. Right. A patient can have acute sinusitis. Sinusitis. They can have acute on chronic sinusitis. And we have ICD-10 codes that say all those things, right? <laughs> so especially for those kinds of conditions where they could be either the physician or APP needs to spell it out. Yes. Uh, please, I always tell them, just please use your words. Use your words. Tell me if it's acute, say acute. If exactly. it's chronic, say chronic. Right. You know, then there's no question about it and even come up. You know, um, so for any of those types of conditions, always try to get them in the habit of you know stating what it is. But don't forget that with that definition. Um, and, and this is where uh, I kind of I had uh, I have a group of physicians that I work with at a practice and um, they kept he kept under undercoding, you uh, know, yeah. and um, we kept I kept going back and forth with them. Mm -hmm. And um, there were, I think, four or five physicians in on this group chat that was going back and forth. And he said, you know, well, well, can you just what I don't get if it's a new patient and they're asthmatic mm -hmm. you know, and I'm seeing them. Don't I have to code that as acute because it's the first time I'm seeing them. And that's where his head was getting stuck. Yeah, for sure. and I said, well, again, let me point you back to the definition mm -hmm. where it says there is an expected duration of at least a year. Not that you've been treating them for it for a year. Right. Either right. they've had it for a year right. or this condition is expected to be lasting a year or until their death. Right. So yes, if you're seeing them and they're asthmatic, but it's the first time you're seeing them, it's still, the condition is still chronic. It doesn't sure. change because they're a new sure. patient to you. Right. And the light bulb went off for him finally. Yes. And yes. he actually, I was so happy because he emailed me and he had said, um, you know, oh, he says, I got it now. He says, this just changed my whole practice, my whole way of doing the wow. practice. Awesome. So I, it really, I really felt, I was like, yay, you know, so um, when they're looking at that, it, it's not about how they're treating or how long they've been treating. It's, it's what is that condition itself? Mm -hmm. You know, that's what you want to keep your mind on and be looking at.
that's really well done. That's great education, right? To make that light bulb turn on for them is what we love to do. So that's great education moment, right? It's all about the patient, right? Literally, we have to be able to paint that medical picture. Let me give a little plug again. (laughs) But that's a great time for it, right? Is if that patient has had that condition for forever chronically, that's the perfect time as you introduce to your um, doctor, right? That, that that's the light bulb that, that changed for him. That's amazing. Yep. That's amazing. And those Perfect. are ones like you get those. And wow. I'm just like, I need to print that email out yes. and I'm going to frame it. Yes. <laughs> so good. So good. Cause you know, there are many times when it kind of goes the other way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So thankful for sure. that I'm telling for them sure. something. <laughs> so, <laughs> So it might be good as like, well, just remember that one. This was a good one. Look at that's, that one now. That's your good one. Yep. That's your five gold star teaching moment. I love it. That's perfect. Um, we have um, <laughs> Sheila who is saying, yeah, that's the best part. Yeah. I wholeheartedly yeah. agree that that's one of the sure. things that I enjoy the most about what I do is education mm-hmm. and anybody that comes to any webinar or seminars workshops anything I've ever done that's one of the things that I hear a lot is that is like you can tell mm-hmm. you know you have that you know the people that really get into that part of it you can tell when you're sitting in you know listening to do something um, they're either reading off the slides in like a monotone and just kind of doing whatever needs to be yeah. done and that's it yeah. or you know like you um, uh, Terry Fletcher uh, uh, Victoria Mall, you know, th- you get that animation and those extra thoughts and just that feeling, mm-hmm. you know, when they're doing exactly. stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, they're there. And, and that goes back to what you had said before about, um, checking out who you're getting education from. Yeah. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. not, um, you know, anybody can tell you what the guideline says. It, it's right. the guideline. It's, it's print. You know, it's the extra stuff, Um, the extra stuff that we can provide, right? The extra thought process. A lot of the times the outside of the box thought process that we can provide to help that light bulb turn on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yet here we have another good question and this, I totally agree with, you know, the data column for inpatient or observation settings, it's kind of a hot mess. <laughs> I totally agree. Agreed. So, how do we as auditors keep track of who we give credit and when? Mm. And I think that is the that was the kind of like um, surprise with the 2023 switchover for right. inpatient and observation. People were not thinking about this. Right. Um, in the real world, like now I'm looking and working it scenario. Right. Um, when you look at a hospital note and you see that there's labs here, there's lab who, who ordered those labs. Right. And was it somebody that is under your NPI number in your spec that's part of your group? Is it not part? Of- it, 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 it can be kind of a nightmare. Um, 
not just a hot mess, you know, a nightmare. It's kind hot of a mess. nightmare. Exactly. Um, and, and that's, I think, where people that are now into the inpatient side of it are starting to see these kind of things mm -hmm. creep up where exactly. it's like, oh, you know, um, I don't know. Um, you know, so now me personally, and then I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this. What I do with my clients when they're doing these things is I, I'm trying to get them in the habit of stating in their notes that they were looking at an external lab. Mm -hmm. They were reviewing at, you know, so they spell it out using the verbiage to get that point across that this isn't something that I ordered that I build right. for that I, right. you know, whatever, this is something I'm reviewing that's outside of me that did not come from me or, you know, my NP, my tax ID, my, you know, that whole kind of thing. So that's my little, you know, tidbit that I, you know, tell them to try to make sure that they're getting that in there so that it's, it's more clear. Mm -hmm. um, how about you? Absolutely. You know, I've seen great documentation that literally does that exact thing. They state where these labs, where the x-rays, where the MRIs are coming from, right? From a different hospital system, right? It's come from somewhere else. The patient went after their car accident. They went to this other hospital and got looked at first, right? And now they're going to the um, some other doctor in some other location, right? And that physician is very thoughtful and puts down that he is reviewing for this much time, these particular films. And this is the rationale why, because he's the one who's going to, you know, um, fix their spine or fix their neck or do whatever, right? That's why he has to look at those external records. Without them, you know, he would have to start from scratch then, right? Order more films. But in these cases, he didn't have to do that because he got everything sent over from the other location. So yeah, that's a great point um, in terms of how to help pinpoint what we're using the data for. That really helps the coder, the auditor who's coming in afterwards, et cetera. Um, and in terms of, you know, in the inpatient space or the observation space, in terms of when we're looking at all of the plethora of labs and who they're coming from, you know, if, if that hospitalist or specialist identifies their analysis of the lab, right? Like what are they reviewing that lab for? What are they using the data for, right? How is that going to help them treat the patient? If all of that is documented as well, um, we can give credit for that because they're giving their own analysis of that specific lab work that they're looking at. So I think those are things that can help um, people in 2023. But in terms of giving the credit for um, those NPIs and those same group docs, uh, that's that's something that um, I'm still waiting for, hopefully the AMA and CMS to come back with another technical correction for us like they did the first time mm -hmm. for the outpatient side, right? We got yeah. that around now in March. So hopefully in a few weeks, they'll come out with some new guidance for us as well on a technical correction, because I do think we still have a lot of these questions in that second column. Um, that once they're working right now for these, um, you know, couple of months now, there should be a lot more questions that are coming in 
from them um, that we need some more guidance. Like how, how do we do this? How do we keep track? Um, so I guess this is a wait and see kind of yeah, thing. I'm, for, I'm sure for the us. AMA has gotten flooded with uh, a lot of questions and comments uh, yeah, from people. For sure. For uh, sure. Now, Sheila makes a good point too. Um, she says, unfortunately, you have to go back to checking the orders, which mm -hmm. is always a, a good, yeah. you know, a solid thing. I'm having that issue too. I have to check who ordered the test. So this is one of the things I said is like one of those things that, you know, wasn't thought through, you know, uh, how much time now does that take uh, if you're doing it every patient or everything that you're looking at and um, uh, it, it just adds to the the time for the coder, auditor, whoever's, mm -hmm. you know, looking for at sure. that record um, to have them have to go dig somewhere else for something. Exactly. And uh, it, it's, it, it's just time consuming, you know, uh, but that's what we're living with right now. So very true, uh, Sheila, about looking at that. Very true. Yep. Uh, and also the when uh, I just wanted to kind of throw out there. Remember that they did come out with that. If it's a test that you ordered, you know, you can get the um, you can get the credit for the test when you order it. But mm -hmm. then you can't also count reviewing it when you go over it with the patient you ordered it it's expected that you review the test with the patient when you order that you can't like charge right. them extra right you know take extra credit for that when you order it you get credit for ordering and for reviewing. that review you know on, on that it, same it, day it's, it's yes. together it's so together. if yep. you order it in between so you're not counting it for that e m then you do review it, then you can count it because still you're only counting it once. So mm -hmm. only take credit for stuff one time. That's it. And this is where things get confusing, right? So if you're the coder in the hospital, you're keeping track of the work that you're doing. So that's a great point. Yes. Yeah, so you're working on Dr. Smith. You know, he ordered it on June 2nd. You know, you can only give him credit for the review on June 2nd, right? But I think the more and more I get questions that come in, it's what is the outside auditor supposed to do, right? Because they're not the ones on the day-to-day -day with Dr. Smith, right? They're coming in from somewhere else and auditing these services, right? How do we then give Dr. Smith the credit, right? How are we supposed to do that when there are different people that are coming in? So I get those questions all the time. So I think this is... Um, this is going to be a lot more confusing down the road. We're not going to see much of this type of um, knock on wood post-payment stuff yet for 2023. Um, but, you know, eventually the payers are going to want to look at stuff and they're going to want to do these post-payment audits. And so I'm just thinking of these things for the future, right? Are What are we expected to do um, today to help prevent all of those post-payment audits in the future. Yeah, because yeah, that's a really good point, too. If, if you get a uh, payor that's requesting something, and so now not only do you have to send the note for that day, 
but are you going to also have to go right. and find where the order was yeah. and that your physician did or didn't or order didn't. it so mm-hmm. that you did or didn't give them <laughs> credit for it. So on that side of it, it's just adding to time for those mm-hmm. things too, for um, when you get records requests of the stuff that you kind of have to dig through to um, satisfy those requests from the payor. Exactly. Yeah, that's not fun. Not fun. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to throw a, a Debbie Downer in the mix there, but that's how <laughs> I think. I think down the road, like, oh gosh, I think this is going to create more for us down the road as well. And, and I still, I still think though, even with all of these little uh, bugaboos uh, that <laughs> we have that are popping up, this is still way better way than better. the ninety-five or ninety-seven. Right? Way better. Way so, better. Yeah. Um, oh, and speaking of that too, uh, one question that I do get a lot is for, especially for newer people uh-huh. that are coming in, cause you, they've only, if somebody just came in, they don't know any of that history. Right. right? No. Mm-hmm. And so when they get records, I, I have uh, a client that got a, um, records request from a payor and they were records from 2019 that they Mm -hmm. wanted and so um when they came back with what their audit findings were they had me come and look at the same records and go through well don't forget you know the 95 and 97 don't just disappear you know we're not actively using them right for new stuff right but on this audit, when I had to go back, I had to go back to the 95 and 97 guidelines. So it's not that you can just say, I never have to think about that again. I'm never going to have to do that again. Don't let those skills start to lax either. Exactly. You know, make sure that, you know, you're, you're at least looking those over every once in a while, throwing mm-hmm. an old note up, maybe mm-hmm. taking a look at it because there, there very well could be a day when you're going to get an ADR mm-hmm. uh, and additional documentation document request that you're going to get one of those. And it's going to ask you for charts that are before 2021 or 2023 for the inpatient stuff now. Right. Well said, spot on. Um, yeah. As auditors, our brains are still forced to use both. Well, all, all three, all four, 95, 97, 21, and 23 guidelines. We're forced to use all of them for the next number of years. Yeah, we're not out of the um, woods here yet for the audits. All of these post-payment audits that we, you and I see today are from 95 and 97. You're absolutely yep. right. That's the volume of audits that we're still stuck in. The volume is massive, massive right? The volume of post-payment audits for 21 and 23 aren't going to come in until later. Um, They will come in, sadly, hopefully not to this grotesqueness that we've had to deal with for 95 and 97 for, what, over a decade? Um, Hopefully it won't be that bad. Um, But we do, I implore, we do need some more guidance, right? Especially for this inpatient OBS stuff for the data column. We need a little bit more guidance um, so we can really get it squared away sooner rather than later. Yep. Um, 
And uh, I just, of course, took a look down and I have noticed we are almost at three o'clock already. Oh my God, already? <laughs> Oh my goodness. So, um, so we will, uh, I, I think this, uh, maybe, um, maybe next month, uh, if you can, uh, get on your schedule, maybe we can do this again. Absolutely. Uh, for sure. You know, send us questions in again and, and we'll put them on for next time. Cause we get, didn't get to all of the questions that people didn't sent us. Okay. Um, but you know, we were kind of taking things in between and stuff too. So, um, uh, definitely this is a topic that, you know, everybody, unless you're a radiologist or a pathologist, right. That, right. you know, you have to deal with at some yeah. point. So yeah. we want to make sure that, um, you know, I, I think this would be a good one to, to round back to. So sure. if you could join me again, you know, we'll get something set up and, and put it out for people to do this again for me uh, or for us. Um, so for um, for y'all, don't forget uh, to go look at Sonal's stuff um, and follow her and do her paint the medical picture. Take a listen to her podcast. They're fabulous. Um, and also, uh, I, I wanted to just put something up the stuff that I'm going to be doing here. Uh, I am going to be speaking with Michelle Pittman, who is the president of the Northwest Indiana local chapter, and they are doing their spring seminar, and it is on April 15th, so tax day, not hard to tax remember, <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to be talking about uh, inpatient and outpatient, so we're going to do like a PCS primer and talk about um, and how you code from an inpatient standpoint than how you code from an outpatient standpoint. So it should be uh, really interesting. So I hope that uh, y'all can go ahead. I'll put this in the regular chat too, because sometimes people say they can't get things off of there. Uh, so go ahead and uh, check that out uh, for the local chapter. And then also, um, I am going to be doing another one of my EM workshops uh, that's going to be yeah. on March 11th. So, anybody that's interested in that, you can go check it out. It's a four hour workshop. Um, I do have CEUs, as you can see on the screen here with it. So, um, you know, go, go take a look and see uh, what we do. Is, is I have a workbook and you get with it also. You know, my lovely coding tool. I love this coding tool. I, I worked hard on it, but but I really like it. <laughs> I have it too. Um, and I and love the workshop. Cases and actually using them. I made a coding game. So we'll play a, an E&M leveling game and stuff. So check it out uh, and and um, uh, let me know if you're interested. And we'll, we'll make sure that we get you in there signed up to come see it. And um, so I will um, have to stop here. I, I, I try to stick to my time so people that are trying to sneak us in can get back to what they're doing. But thank you so much, my friends. Thank you, Sonal, for joining me. Um, this was a great session. I really, really enjoyed it. I loved it, my friend. It was my pleasure. I'll see you okay. next month when we do it again. Yes. Love it. So uh, for everybody that is... Oops, that is watching, make sure that you join me in a couple weeks so that we can again see what is happening in healthcare. And finally, I focus season eight spark on creativity. 
I want this eighth season spark to be filled with our world's thought leaders, writers, artists, philosophers, everyone who inspires the need for creativity in all we strive to do. So in this week's inspiring quote, in spark is from the acclaimed Italian artist, Leonardo da Vinci. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Absolutely true, right? I think this is an amazing quote that reminds us that often our creativity requires simplicity. Simplicity in technique, simplicity in form, simplicity in messaging. We are reminded that our years of experience, our years of dedication, our years of creativity that allow us to use this wisdom to imbue simplicity, a sense of something effortless. I am happy Leonardo da Vinci's spark still shines on in all of us today. So that wraps up today's episode. And as always, I appreciate you all diving into today with me. If you want more information from me, please go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn. I'll leave links to everything in the show notes below. And please be sure to watch our Healthcare Happenings conversation on ENM Review on Betty Hovey's YouTube channel. Now, I'm going to go ahead and include that link in the show notes as well. Now, all right, you guys, in my final note, please go ahead and remember to carve out time for yourself each and every day. It is so important to avoid full blown burnout and full blown stress. Just Take a few moments each and every day to spend doing whatever it is that you want away from the office, away from your workplace, right? And that really, really does make the biggest difference. And spring is just around the corner. So hopefully going outdoors and taking those fresh long walks will help tremendously. Anyways, you guys, thank you so much for listening in on today's very special episode. And I hope every week with me, brings you closer to helping your providers paint a masterpiece. See you next Wednesday.